but there's something to shine out. I don't know when I've been in the service for nine people. I think it was seven or eight.
I'm not. I'm from the north. I love people. They're back here. I'm from the south. I don't think I have any background in the south. I don't know any. But I wouldn't mind being a part of the south. And I thank God for the wonderful spirit of the good brothers and sisters of the south. Thank you. Praise God. Are you all enjoying this? Christian life. But Jesus comes or 
and go by the very draft in last year for the end. Now, for you, it's very simple. And so I want to, uh, I want to preach on church growth today and something to help. In the book of Judah, chapter number one, chapter one of the book of Judah, you don't have to stand much to the point where you can see it. Like wherever you feel comfortable. Uh, in the book of, I'm sorry, the book of Judges, I said Judah. What did I say, Judah? That's what I'm talking about. Judah. But in the book of Judges, right? Judges chapter 1. I'm going to have at least three points for you. That's my number one. Take count. In Judges chapter 1. <laughs> Judges chapter 1. I want to read just a few verses. Uh, not too many, but let me read just as many as I need to read. Beginning at verse 1 of chapter 1 of the book of Judges. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first? Everybody say first. Fight against them. And the Lord said, I'm glad I'm still talking about you. Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me. Did you say that? Come up with me. Come up with me into my lot, that we Say we, Simeon and Judah, that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I likewise shall go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. Now in verse 17, I'm reading out loud. And Judah went with Simeon his brother. And they slew the Canaanites and inhabited Zephyr and utterly destroyed it. I must say, utterly destroyed it. And the the name of the city was called Home. I want to talk to you from these verses on this subject today. Two spiritual elements needed to win a battle. Two spiritual elements that are needed to win a battle. As you all well know that names in the Bible have significant meaning with the character of the individual and that particular person that was named. Any parent that has a child would be proud to name their daughter Mary 
or Elizabeth because these names have tremendous meaning behind the, those particular names. I've seen, since I've been here, been introduced to various names that I thought was very beautiful, but some of them were from the Bible. And every name, regardless of that name, is a very special name to that person because it represents the characteristic of that particular person. A good proper name for a son would be John or Andrew or Matthew. We're seeing lots of those names coming back or Joshua uh, or Zechariah or whatever name, Paul. There are many names that would be in, would be good names to make children. Nathaniel is a very common name today, but it has a very important significance behind the meaning of the names that are in the Bible of very important characters that were a blessing in those days when we read about as our heroes. You, 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 just, you just don't hear of anybody in their right mind naming their son some crazy name as Judas, because Judas represents betrayal, or is terror, which is representative of treachery, or Ichabod, which means the Lord, the glory of the Lord has departed. And so there are names that we shun from because they do not represent a good, wholesome name to name a child. No serious mother in her right mind would want to name her daughter Delilah because it represents deceit or Jezebel, which represents a mouthy woman or a bossy woman. In our part of the country, they call them bell cows, whatever you may call them, with some kind of bad connotation to the name. You just don't hear a mother in her right senses or a parent that wants to call a child some, uh, uh, some goofy name, such as Satan or some silly name. But when we name our children, we want them to have attached to that name a characteristic that will identify some, some nice thing or some nice uh, background of the name that is meaningful to us all. When we named our last child, we, we wanted to, we kind of wanted to have a different name for her. And so we bought us one of these little books. And we started down through it. And we, uh, we got through the A's and we couldn't find anything. We got through the B's. And when we came to C's, uh, we went too far in it until we found the name Carissa. And we liked its meaning and uh, the significance of the name. And so I said, that's it. And uh, we were looking for a middle name and we just kept on going until we got into D's and found uh, Desiree. And so she ended up with a book name uh, that came out of the book, Carissa Desiree. And uh, that's how she got her name. But they had 
They had nice names and were important to us to name them with a proper name. And so in the Bible times, the names that were given to people were names that were meaningful as much then and probably more so then than they are now. Some years ago, I uh, got all wrapped up in the meanings of the names of the sons of Jacob. Two of them are reading about the afternoon, and how those names had a spiritual application to the child of God in today's time, how they relate to us and their effect on us. And I taught that to my church for several weeks about the entire names of, of Jacob. I just recently completed a study on name Benjamin about his characteristics and the meaning of that name and its relationship to the church family and how it could be helpful to the church. And so these names actually, uh, of all these names, actually give us a course to follow in identifying the Christian's behavior and what could happen to us as a member of God's family. It helped me to see, it helped me to see where I was and where I should be going and what I should be doing in the kingdom of God. And so to every facet of the Christian life, there is a characteristic found in one of Jacob's sons. Now follow me just for a little while. That can be helpful in what we face today as a Christian. And whether we're experiencing joy or going through hardships or sadnesses and disappointments in life, the study of each of the sons of Jacob are representatives of life situations that we face. If you haven't uh, studied these, I, uh, I would encourage you to study them because they're interesting and certainly likely to every child of God just gives you a study book and study the names and the means of every every son. I have the time this afternoon I've talked to you about some of them, but I want to just draw in on a couple of those this afternoon. And so I have I have picked from this subject that I have read from from the book of Judges, two sons of Jacob and Leah that are found in our text. First one is called Judah, which was their fourth son. And then their second son, Simeon, uh, and how that these sons were very important to us as children of God. Now in this text of scripture I read, I want you to see the setting that is taking place because it brings the point that I want to bring to you this afternoon that the children of Israel are faced with a perplexing question. You will notice in the first verse that Joshua has just that. And so the children of Israel feel somewhat helpless because they have depended upon Joshua to go before them and to be the leader in every situation of life. 
And so the children of Israel, they do what is proper and right. They go to the Lord. They inquire of the Lord as to what to do. They just lost their leader. What shall we do? And so they talk to the Lord and they ask the Lord, who shall go up against the Canaanites first? Who's going, to, who's going to go out front now? Joshua's gone. He's dead. And he has passed. And who shall go up first against the enemy to fight against them because our leader has died? I want to tell you this before I start all this, that every Christian man and woman is faced with problems and difficulties. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter our association, it doesn't matter our name or background, altogether. But we are all faced with perplexities and problems. Don't think because somebody's name ends with spell that they don't have problems. Everybody has problems. We're all identified because we're Adam's child. And we come from that that seed of Adam, that we are all faced perplexities and problems of life. Jesus said it. He said it to his own. He came in the world. He suffered himself. And he said before he left, he told those around him, his very own, he said, he said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I'll overcome the world. And so we all face problems. No man is exempt. No man in this world, regardless of who he is and how he may look, he may look prosperous and well and doing well. But everybody in this world, in the church today, has experienced some kind of struggle and stress in life, regardless of their status. Everybody suffers. Everybody goes through problems. Is that right? Everybody's identified the situation. You may not have one today, but just hang on. Next week may bring a whole different thing. Your hour may come, and your time may come to suffer. And while someone else may rest, they've got to be all going to get down at the same time. But there's always somebody around that's going through the struggles of life. And so the course of every Christian man and woman is not without struggle. And so when the children of Israel had this problem, they knew well where to go because they had been there before. It's not so much to have the problem, but do we know where to turn to? And who to turn to? And so they turned in the right direction and they turned to God and they called upon the name of the Lord. I thank God to know who to turn to this afternoon. How many guys you know who to call on if you got trouble? And so the Bible said that when Joshua had died, what a dilemma! Losing their leader, losing the man who had brought victory to them time after time, and who they had put their trust and confidence. And so they turned to God and said, God, who's going to come up first? To fight against our enemy. Who is he going to put out front? And so the answer comes back to them. Thank God that we we have enough sense to recognize where to turn to. And that we always recognize that 
that he is the answer for every situation. One of the problems that we have among people today is there are too many people who want to fight their own battles. And they want to just kind of wait it out and just see if it'll, if it'll just kind of wash out itself. And I'm going to tell you this, you're not big enough to fight any better. You've got to be just like everybody else. There's got to be something that must go before you. Who's going to fight our battle? What is the answer to our very needs and to our very perplexities that we face every day? This question I've asked many times, and I thank God that the answer is in His Word. It's right here in this text. It's right here. And so we find out that we're not strong enough and we must turn to the Lord and we ask the Lord, what are we going to do? Have you ever asked the Lord that? And this is what they asked the Lord. Lord, what are we going to do? And the Lord said unto them, He said in the second verse, the Lord answers them and gives them an answer. I'm glad He's got an answer for us, aren't you? And after they ask this, we'll go up first. The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hands. Thank God for Judah. Judah's going to go up first now. Amen. Everybody here knows, and you have studied and heard it well in this particular part of the country, that Judah means praise. I will praise the Lord. And God said, when He sent the answer back, He sent Judah out. I want you to put praise right out front. Now you all knew that, didn't you? We're supposed to put praise out in front of our problem. I've heard it said, and you have heard it said in times past, that we can praise our way out of any problem we've got. I believe it, because the Bible says Yeah. 
to win any battle you got. And number one, you got to praise the name of Jesus.
so he dwells in the midst of that. He dwells in the midst of Christ. He said, stand in Judah. Well, Judah turns around and he looks at Simeon and he says to Simeon in verse number 3. Now this is a Bible study. In verse number 3. This is another character. I want you to look at the character. He said, Judah, he said, come up with me into my lives. That we may fight against the Canaanites and I likewise will go with thee into them. They're going to go together now. And so they both joined together. Judah and Simeon joined hands together to go fight against the Canaanites. What a, what a group to fight against. Just Judah and Simeon. They joined hands together. In the book of Joshua, the 19th chapter, I was reading this. It tells us that Judah and Simeon shared the same inheritance. And that has a lot of meaning. They shared the same inheritance. They go together first to fight the battle. I'm going to read it again. And Judah said unto Simeon his brother, Come up with me. Come up with me into my lot that we, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. Now Simeon means obedient hearing. That's what it means. Obedient hearing. I believe that every church should never forget that the Bible continually places emphasis on two things. Worship and preaching. Worship and preaching. As long as you live, don't ever let worship die. And don't ever let preaching be a substitute be found for preaching. Now, there are two things that are, are most important to having church. And that is worship and preaching. And don't let anybody ever take that out of your heart. That's significant and important to winning the battle. There is no day in the life of the, of, of the child of God that they don't need church. You need every church service that there is. There's not a service that is insignificant when it comes to going to. They're all important. And every child of God and every God-called preacher that has, has a word of prophecy for the saints of God, when they come to church, there's something for them to hear. And then there's something for them to obey. you got to sit and listen with an accepted heart the word of the Lord. You'll find it will fit your situation. You'll find it out. I've said many times in the past that preaching is like coming to church and getting a duty statement. A work statement. When you come, you sit and listen, you write it down and you say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing now. This is the way I'm supposed to be living. And you come and get a responsibility. It's not just to make you happy. That's good. But before the preaching is done, there's a point in that preaching that lets you go away and feel responsible to God and the church and, and 
something you must do in order to in order to be a better child of God. And don't think that in our kind of church, that every man I, I have ever heard, I believe he has a word from the Lord for me. I believe that. You say, you know, man, I don't I don't particularly classify preachers as good and bad preachers. To me they're all good. If they're God's men, they have something to say. And sometimes out of the most simplest message it may seem. There's something in this today to take home. It may seem like something very simple to what we talked about the last couple of days. But it's a very important message. And if you'll take it home and live it and practice it and do what is being said in, in this message this afternoon, you will find that God has a blessing for you. Because there's an answer in this message. No substitute for preaching. Don't ever let preaching be counted as, as secondary because worship and preaching is an integral part of every church service. It is the lifeline to a saint of God's survival. You cannot make it without preaching. And don't, don't ever underestimate God. God knows what you're thinking. He knows exactly what's in your mind. And so many times you have come and because they listen well,
Everyone walked through. Because I said, I'm not lying with you. I didn't know what, I hadn't seen that before. But they entered into his peace with thanksgiving. And into his courts with prayer. So many people don't know how to go to church. But if you go to church and come through those doors with Judah out front and with a human ear and an obedient attitude, God's word as a priority. I got to hear preaching. 